Welcome to another episode of Campus Life Summer School Edition, uh, our final prep here for the college football season. Uh, as always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Just a reminder for you guys that are tuning in here, I know usually our late week show is the Canton Bound show. So surprise, surprise, as we've said that we are not doing Canton Bound um, for the, the next four and four weeks and, and today. Uh, we are going to just be covering all the college news leading up to drafts here. We figure that is the news that's a little more sparse. Um, so we are going to be talking Debbie, CFF, C2C, all of it over the next five weeks just to get you guys filled in and ready for the season. Last episode, we did the Sun Belt. And tonight, we are going to be bringing you the Mac. Maction time here. Mac attack. At the C2C podcast. So buckle up. It's going to be a good one. Before we hop in, though, I do just want to say this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a bunch of other great podcasts, including True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, the Dynasty Vipers, the Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast itself. And you can follow all of them in one place on Twitter, at Fantasy Points Live, or on Fridays, you can check out their weekly drop that recaps the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. All right, Colin, without further ado, we have we have a lot to talk about here tonight. Um, we do. This is going to be jam-packed. Yes, yes. Just like the Mac. The, the episode just is going to reflect. It's like when they say dog owners, like the dog and the dog owner. You know, that's like this episode is going to mirror the Mac. Just, just <laughs> craziness. The whole thing here. <laughs> so, all offense. Yes, all offense. All the time. Pedal to the metal. Two pieces of news here. The first one, I think we have to lead with Quinn Ewers is reportedly uh, considering leaving high school a year early. He uh, only needs to complete one more English course to be eligible to enroll at Ohio State. Um, so he, he is going to forego uh, reportedly his senior year, enroll at Ohio State and hop right into competition there uh, in camp with them this summer. Colin, what are your initial thoughts on this? Any direction you want to take it? Uh, well, you guys you guys did a really good job talking about it last night on Debbie Debate. Um, and I agreed with pretty much everything that you guys said in that. But just to to kind of echo a little bit of that there, I think that it's, you know, go get the bag for him, first of all. It's great. It's awesome that he can do this, that he has enough name power and name image likeness to be able to, you know, come out and command a pretty significant amount of money right away. I mean, they're talking, you know, seven figures potentially for an 18. Is he even 18 yet? I no, mean, he's 17. He's 17. For, yeah. Okay. Yeah. For a 17 year old kid, a million dollars. And um, now he has. He has very smart people around him. I think his dad is the CEO of an oil company. I don't remember if I heard that on Devi Debate or if I heard it on um, the Cover 3 podcast where they were talking about this. They're basically equal in terms of stature, so could have been either. <laughs> they are. No, that's a great point. Um, yeah, so his, so his dad is C a CEO of a big oil conglomerate, so he's well-connected. He's got – they've already hired a lawyer. They've hashed this thing out from all sorts of different directions. And it's looking like he's going to make a significant chunk of money. Now, that's awesome for him. Now, like you guys said, this looks poorly for Ryan Day. Um, because you had to believe he's behind there pulling the strings a little bit. Um, 
you know, maybe Quinn Ewers was like, and his dad were like, you know, let's look into this. And then, you know, they reach out to Ryan Day and he's like, yeah, get on campus early. Well, come on, you know, you'll compete for the starting job right away. Um, so I have to imagine that's kind of how that conversation went when he talked to Ryan Day. And I don't doubt that he will compete, but they have two and, and potentially three, like Jack Miller is no slouch either, but they have two high, high end quarterback prospects that they brought in year after year after year. And, you know, the, I think that this is eventually going to catch up to them because those two guys have to feel slighted. If I'm Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers steps on campus, I refuse to play. I'm like, I'm, I'm redshirting. I'm not touching the field. I'm not burning a year of eligibility. I'm entering the transfer portal as soon as possible because he has to feel screwed over. You know, um, CJ Stroud was ahead of him. It was hard and going to be hard enough for him to jump him uh, and win that job this year. And now if he is to also compete with the Kyle or uh, with Quinn Ewers for this backup job, you know, I, I, I don't know if, I, I don't know if they risk upsetting Quinn Ewers the crown jewel of quarterback prospects since Trevor Lawrence that they would, you know, put McCord as like the number two option there. I, I think that Quinn Ewers on the depth chart would be listed as the number two option, probably behind CJ Stroud. Now, like you guys also touched on, I don't believe he steps on the field day one. Like there's no way he's going to be the starter, but I could see him potentially getting on the field later in the year if they do stumble, like you guys mentioned, but I don't necessarily see them stumbling. So I think it's CJ Stroud's job, but then, you know, so McCord's left out in the cold. And like I said, if I'm him, I'm pissed. I would want to go somewhere else. Maybe Penn state. Maybe, but, uh, Homerism aside. Um, yeah, I I'm pissed if I'm him. And then you also have to believe Jack Miller is going to leave too. So the quarterback room is just going to get decimated because of this move. One of the guys in the Discord I saw, I, I think he actually tweeted it, but I, kn I know who he is. Um, today was he we said, know "Please, who you are. <laughs> please, Kyle McCord, come to Penn State." <laughs> and I actually think that would be a huge mistake for Penn State for the same reason that with Drew and yes, because Aller and not only mm -hmm. Aller is recruiting a bunch yes. of other kids. Like I think he's really good friends with a bunch of the other kids that are coming in. Um, so I think that that would be a. Uh, I agree. Just as questionable of a move here. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not. I my, I made my thoughts very well well known last night. If you guys want to go check those out on Debbie Debate, um, we we had a really good discussion. We literally just spent a 50 minute episode. All we talked about was um, that whole situation from just about every angle: C2C, Debbie, just regular college football from a commissioner standpoint, uh, from an NIL standpoint. We talked about it from every which direction. Um, so I am not going to get too much into that, um, but to say um that it will be i think our 2024 rookie picks if you just play in a regular dynasty league just increased in value um and uh, you have to feel pretty good about him just accelerating that timetable a little bit the other little piece of news here uh texas and oklahoma which we talked about again a lot in our last episode so we aren't going to uh hit you with another 10 minutes of that uh it sounds like it is pretty much official they are going to be going to the sec um, and it sounds like it's going to be next year. Is that correct, Colin? So they they're they're locked into a TV deal until 2025. Now, I was listening to the Cover Three Sports podcast and put on your tinfoil hat here because this was really interesting. Um, the 
big the ESPN has a deal with the Longhorn Network where they're going to have to pay them out and the you know if if this if if they don't last throughout the whole deal and the Texas and Oklahoma would have to pay a significant amount of money to leave the uh to leave the Big 12 to break that contract now i the numbers weren't exact but the the payout that ESPN would have to give Texas would be not too far off of what uh, Texas would owe for leaving that. So they could theoretically use that. But if the Big 12 dissolves before the uh, before that deal would be up, before 2025, then Texas and Oklahoma wouldn't owe any money. ESPN would also not owe Texas any money based on the way that deal worked out. And this is, like I said, I'm paraphrasing this, but this is what they were saying on that podcast. So they are kind of incentivized to have the Big 12 dissolve. And then that would allow them to join the SEC even earlier with no penalties. I, I think regardless, they join next year because it's either going to be that scenario or they just pay out the $160 million and then Texas pays for their, you know, both their tickets out. I think yeah. that's what's going to happen. There, There's... I might they're not going to let the two biggest teams in the league make it lame duck for four years, one, you know, two years, maybe four years for your two, basically your two, you know, cornerstone programs. No, that's never going to happen. That's going to be a part sooner rather than later. Um, I it'll be interesting to see, like, how they shift schedules around because people already have out the conference stuff and all that set up and that that'll all get. Uh, changed up a little bit, but I, I think it is going to be Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC next year. Um, a quick question for you, because I saw um, RJ Young tweeted this out today. He said, over under, or how many championships do you think Oklahoma and Texas will win combined over the next 10 years in the SEC? I retweeted it and said zero. <laughs> Same as they won the last 10 years. SEC championships or national championships? No, national. National? national? Um, 10 years? I'm going to say one only because I don't think Saban coaches that long. Who, who wins it? Oklahoma. What year? Seven or eight years from now. Which, um, eighth, which eighth grader is their quarterback? Current eighth grader. Um, man, there's I, this great eighth grader out of South Lake Carroll that, no, I'm just I'm kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think because Saban is nearing the end of his career, that the fact that you extended it to 10 years, I think Oklahoma, assuming Lincoln Riley stays there, which at this point, like he just left the Big 12 to go to the SEC. Like that's where you want to be. Oklahoma is a blue blood. They're a power. He's had options to go to the NFL and has, you know, not taken those. It's not to say he won't ever take them, but you know, assuming he sticks around at Oklahoma long enough and Saban's gone, I think he could get one. And like you guys touched on with uh, Ohio State, Ryan Day may not be long for there if he keeps up his antics. Do you want to hear a, a, a slightly slight hot take, I guess? Always. I think Texas would be more likely to win one than Oklahoma. Interesting. Why is that? It's Part of it's just like this weird feeling, but I think a lot of it is that 
Okay, this is gonna really upset Oklahoma fans. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I know I am aware that Oklahoma has more national championships and more Heisman winners. I'm aware of these things, people. I don't just pull stuff out of my butt when I'm talking most of the time. Mostly. Most of the time. <laughs> I don't think this is one of those times. Texas is the bigger program. Even with even with Oklahoma's recent success, Texas is the bigger program. They have, in my opinion, I think they have the guy there now. I haven't felt, you know, Texas media has said that every coach since Mac Brown is, is the guy. I, I have not really been particularly high on any of the last couple coaches they've had. I think Sark is the perfect kind of guy. He himself is a redemption story. You know, a guy that was flying high up the coaching rankings, ruined it all for himself, and then has rehabbed himself back to the very, to the, the tippy tippy top of the college profession again. Texas is the tippy tippy top of the profession. It is the top 1%. He is going to, re- he is going to keep kids in Texas with them in the SEC. I have very few doubts that he is going to out recruit Texas A&M which is why they left to the SEC in the first place. I think Texas out almost immediately, not this year because classes are already shaking out. The following recruiting class, I bet Texas has a better recruiting class than Texas A&M. I think they're going to build something there. I think all it's going to take is for is for Sark to find his quarterback. And I think Hudson Card. I think similar to Lincoln Riley, we're going to feel, and it's going to be uh, some fun years there with those two because you, you know you say. That that Lincoln Riley picked that guy out. We like him. I think we're gonna start saying the same thing about Sark quarterbacks. Uh, you know, he he did some nice work there with uh, with Tua, and then obviously Mac Jones, um, which is probably the bigger you know uh, one of the two that you can probably give him some credit for. Um, so I, I think when all this, if in the next ten years, if and I don't think either team wins a national championship, if I had to pick one school to do it, I think it would be Texas. Interesting. I like that take. I do. Um, it's just hard for me to not look at what Oklahoma has done already. Um, and you know, look at what Lincoln Riley continues to do and think that, you know, a Nick Saban and Ryan day lists college football landscape doesn't bode well for him. I think that that puts him, you know, it's him and Dabo at that point. And, and Sark too. I do like Sark a lot. Um, you know, I think that was a great hire for Texas, but I think that that puts Lincoln Riley in the top two in college football coaches. So the thing with, well, Saban's contract goes for another five years, I believe. I, I he's sixty nine years old right now. Nice, nice. So, um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I think he resigns one more deal beyond that. Um, you think he's coaching until he's like seventy five, dude? Joe Paterno was literally like frozen in amber on the sideline, but he wasn't like really coaching that much. Hmm. So now everybody wants to admit this. I, we never had this conversation. I fully, fully admit that. I mean, he was a CEO type guy there towards the end. He did not have as much impact on the X's and O's and Nick Saban. They call him the Nictator for a reason. I think he would want, I don't think he would be able to give up X's and O's control. Wait, 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 wait a second here. They call Nick Saban the Nictator? How have I never heard this ever? <laughs> wait, you've never heard that? I, I don't I think, think I, you just made it up. I don't think I made that up. I'm all right. You look that up while we're talking here. I, I'm not searching Nictator on my computer. I'm not searching that. 
<laughs> you go ahead and do that. Um, yeah, I think he I think he coaches until he dies. Really, I do. He seems like yeah. that kind of guy. Um, it's not unprecedented. Yeah. So. No, um, many of Dolphins players despised Nick Saban. He was given the nickname the Nictator. Only one player liked Saban, and that was all-pro defensive end and linebacker Jason Taylor. This is coming from Bleacher Report. That's so funny. I've never <laughs> heard that before. Um, but no, regardless. And no. I, they, Sorry, uh, from AL.com, which I'm assuming is Alabama, five nicknames for Nick Saban. Saint Nick, Nick Satan, the Nictator, <laughs> Sabinator and the process facilitator. I don't understand the last one, but I love Nick Satan and the Nictator. Those are hilarious. That's good. Um, <laughs> but and, and so it's just uh, Lincoln Riley hasn't built up a defense at all, like ever. No, Alex Grinch is the one who did like a lot of that work last year. And I think that if with another year like that this year, I think he goes and gets a head coach somewhere else or a head coaching job somewhere else. So he would have to rely on getting a good defensive coordinator. Yeah, and I'm not sure if you know they'll do that or not. They just haven't really done well with that while he's been there. Um, so um, this is the, the point in the episode here, guys, where we are going to do our weekly cram session. This week, um, you will be listening to the dulcet tones of Mr. Matthew Jackson. So sit back and enjoy. All righty. School is back in session. Another cram session here uh, to help everybody with their last minute studying uh, for their everything college football for this year. And we are happy to welcome here tonight. Uh, he is a writer ranker for Dynasty Nerds. He's co-host of the Debbie Happy Hour, a creator of the Debbie Database Patreon and the biggest Hank Bigsby stand that I know. Mr. Matthew Jackson with us tonight. How are you doing tonight, Matt? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Of course, of course. I, I had to throw the Tank Bigsby thing in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, after your take last uh, last cram session. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you think about that Tank Bigsby Heisman? Possible? Not possible? <laughs> yeah, you know, you were you were going to ask me what my hot take was tonight, <laughs> and I I, I was going to go something Tank Bigsby, but after you went there last week, I couldn't do it two weeks in a row, man. So shout out to you. I thought I thought I was only Tank Bigsby fan here. Short of him winning the presidency, I'm not sure how much higher, I don't, hotter you could get with Tank Bigsby uh, than what I said last week. So, yeah, um, but we're, we're excited to see what you got here. Um, so we're going to jump right into it. For anybody that has not heard the last couple of these or, you know, just is brand new to the show, we're going to ask you three very simple questions. One player that you think improves their stock the most this year, one that you think hurts their stock the most, and then your hottest take. So take it away. One player that helps themselves the most this year, Matt. So I think the player that's going to help themselves the most this year, um, you've got to go to Oklahoma's offense. And I'm going Eric Gray, the running back transfer from Tennessee. Um, last year finished with 772 rushing yards, four touchdowns um, from, from scrimmage and uh, posted 1,026 scrimmage yards um, in a split role with Tom Chandler. Um, transferred out of Tennessee, transferred to Oklahoma. Um, he's going behind Oklahoma's. Um, eighth ranked according to PFF offensive line. So he's got a great offensive line that he's going to be running behind. Um, he's got a fantastic quarterback in Spencer Rattler, who is uh, odds on favorite for the the Heisman this year. I mean, you got to think that, you know, he, he's the one he's got, he's bringing back most of his offensive weapons. Um, 
offenses are going to be keying in on Marvin Mims on the outside on um, that passing attack. So safeties, linebackers are not going to be stacking the box against Eric Gray. So he's going to have free range to, to do a lot of damage in the rushing and the receiving game. He's a great dual threat running back. Um, got great lateral agility. He's got a really quick change of directions, changes directions without losing speed uh, really, really well. So I like him a whole lot to, to explode in this offense. I know they've got Kennedy Brooks coming back from the, um, from the opt-out last year, but I'm not worried about them. Um, Eric Gray is the better running back in this offense. He's the one that's going to get the majority of the carries. And when you're looking at a guy that's going to come in and be that running back three in this year's class, you know, everybody talks about Brees Hall. You talk about Isaiah Spiller, but nobody really knows who that running back three is. Eric Gray is going to make a strong case this year to be come off of the board at running back three and go in the second round of the NFL draft this coming season. Love that. I love that. I mean, it's hard to argue that any running back – or any transfer in general helped themselves more than Eric Gray did. I mean, he's, you know, going from that dumpster fire that was Tennessee to a fantastic offense, well-oiled machine like Oklahoma recipe for success. Over under 30 catches for him this year. That seems to kind of be the magic number for, you know, hot, that <laughs> high end receiving production for running backs. You think he hits that Matt? I think he very well hit that. I mean, you're, you're gonna you're gonna pass to Marvin Mims on the outside. Um, Austin Stogner is gonna get his receptions, and then hopefully Jadon Hazelwood can stay healthy. But that offense is gonna throw the ball around a ton, so you've got to think that they're, they're gonna throw it to Eric Gray, utilize that skill set that he has. They've never really been a great offense for you know throwing the ball to to the running back, but I, I think that changes this year. Um, I think that he he showcases the talent that he has as a three down back. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. I mean, I think that, he, you know, they haven't had a receiving back quite like Eric Gray there um, in, in recent years. Um, so obviously, you know, Eric Gray, I love that take. I think he's definitely going to help himself this year. Who's your guy that you think is going to hurt themselves the most this year? So kind of going on with the same topic, you know, we're talking about transfers. And I think the guy that is going to hurt himself the most, and you already see this a ton right now, just based on ADP and the way the Debbie community is looking at him. And that's, Top transfer from LSU, Eric Gilbert, um, moving over from LSU. You know, he kind of bounced back and forth between teams he was going to and finally ended up landing at Georgia. Um, his ADP right now is sitting at 35 on the uh, campus to Kenton w- website. Shout out to you guys. Um, if you're not on that, you need to check that out because that's the best three dollars I've ever spent uh, a month getting those getting those rankings in ADP. So great job on that. But yeah, er- er- Eric Gilbert is a guy that, you know, he came into the college season, you know, his freshman year. He was the highest rated recruit since Greg Olson, a five-star recruit, number one in his class. And he didn't disappoint last season. You know, he, he showed every bit of why he was a great tight end, um, big body, at, uber athletic, physical, just everything that you wanted at a tight end. And then he switched to Georgia and rumors are coming out that he's switching to wide receiver. And when you look at what he's going to be able to do at wide receiver, I mean, he's not fast enough to, to be a wide receiver on the perimeter. He doesn't run crisp enough routes. He runs good routes for a tight end, but he's not running good enough routes to exceed as a wide receiver on the perimeter. He, he's a guy that I'd, I'm not even wanting to touch that ADP of 35 right now. Um, he's a guy that's kind of somebody that I'm not really looking at unless he switches back to tight end, which may or may not happen. He might be switching to wide receiver just to get some some route running reps and some receiving reps, but I do not like that transition to wide receiver at all for Eric Gilbert. It seems like he wants to switch to wide receiver, hopefully to make a little bit of money. You think he ultimately comes back to tight end, or what do you think the end result is here with him? If you had to guess, I had to. I have to hope he comes back to tight end. I mean, he's got to know 
that, I mean, yes, you get more money. Wide receivers are paid a little bit more than tight ends are. You know, tight ends are historically underpaid for the dual position that they do. They're a blocker and a receiver, and they're paid, what, $7 million to the best tight end. But, you know, he's he's gonna, he's gonna thinking to make himself some money. But, I mean, you're looking at his draft stock. If he comes out as a wide receiver, his draft stock is going to plummet, in my opinion. So if he wants to make himself money, I think the best thing that he can go out and do is switch back to tight end. That's where he's going to make the most money. That's where he's going to – Get get the most success um, for what he's good at. Yeah, I, I was gonna say it seemed like he was almost looking past that first contract because he was gonna get drafted in the top fifteen, right? I mean, he he was gonna get yeah. that initial that initial money. I, I don't know how much higher he could he could get drafted, and then yeah. It, it, I mean, you you look at you look at Kyle Pitts who just got drafted fourth overall, and arguably Eric Gilbert is was gonna be a better tight end than Kyle Pitts was coming out. So I mean. Top top ten was easily within the realm of possibilities for Eric Gilbert. Now, not so much with the switch to wide receiver. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, you got to feel like he's getting some some bad advice there to to switch to wide receiver because, like you just touched on, Kyle Pitts number four overall. You know, he went higher than than you know any receiver. So, you know, how can you how how can you look at that result from this year and then immediately make that position switch? Like, if you wanted to do it a different year you know maybe one of the years where there wasn't a tight end in the first round like the year before that with cole Komet. you know okay sure you know you could look at it that year but after just seeing what kyle pitts did and the money that he's going to make himself because i think he could potentially reset the tight end market at the nfl level and you're going to be following that you're the next guy in line and potentially even better than him like you touched on with his recruiting status i i think that was a horrible decision to move to tight end so now that we've got those two out of the way, the moment we've all been waiting for, the spiciest take, your hottest take for the 2021 season is Bo Nix is your next Heisman. No, um, <laughs> de- definitely not that. Um, I-, I was debating how spicy I wanted to go with this take, and I think it's relatively spicy, but but we'll see. Um, I know I just touched on that I liked Spencer Rattler to, to be your Heisman favorite. But there, there's a guy that that I think that they could really see top three Heisman voting, if not be your Heisman favorite this year. And, uh, we're, you know, it's a hot take. So we're going to go. Your My favorite Heisman candidate this year is Ohio State's quarterback, C.J. Stroud. So okay. we're just going to put we're going to put that out there right now. You look at C.J. Stroud. Um, everybody's arguing, you know, is he even going to start? You got Kyle McCord there. And then with the news of Quinn Ewers breaking, you know, there's 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 some unknown when it comes to the QB room at, at Ohio State. But when you look at last year's Ohio State team, when Justin Fields was injured, when he went down, who was the guy that came in and played? It was C.J. Stroud. He's got the reps. He's the guy that they're looking to hand the keys over to. And look, if he just runs the offense and does what he's supposed to do, he's got returning wide receiver and Chris Olave, got Garrett Wilson. He's got the best wide receiver core in, in college football right now. He's got guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. to throw the ball to, Emeka Agbuka, and Julian Fleming, who, while I think he's on the way out, is still, you know, they, they've got a great receiving core. So if he just runs the offense the way he's supposed to do, he's going to put up the stats. He's going to be a guy that, you know, I think he's like sixth or seventh in Heisman um, ranking right now, according to the Vegas odds or something like that. But he's a guy that if he just runs the offense the way he's supposed to do and is the quarterback prospect that we saw him when he was coming out, he, he can sneak in there and be a Heisman favorite this year by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, I, I think that's a great call there. I mean, you always see 
quarterbacks, most popular, you know, Heisman winners, you know, obviously last year with Devonta Smith. So, you know, but historically it's, it's a quarterback historically, it's a quarterback on a, you know, playoff level team. And I think CJ Stroud is the one that's, that's kind of going under the radar right now. So I like that. And he had that real beautiful long run last year. I will always remember uh, his his moment came a year early. (laughs) That'll be the longest run of his career. He did it last year, like accidentally, but here we are. Um, He's going to get more run in the passing game than he does in his running game. That's for for darn sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not not exactly Malik Willis out there. Uh, All right, Matt. So thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Um, Before we go, I want you to just tell us a little bit about what you've got going on at the Patreon right now, because you just launched that. So give the folks just a little taste of what is over there, what they can find. Um, and, um, then we'll get you out of here. Yeah. So my, my Patreon, you can find that at uh, patreon.com slash dev database. Um, we've got, uh, rankings up there. So we've got my, my, my rankings for the 21 class, 22, 23 and 24. So you got, you got all those rankings up there. I've also got something that you don't really find in a lot of places and it's, I've got an inner class ranking on there. So you've got 2020 NFL players, right. With the incoming freshman or incoming recruiting class, uh, or incoming class this year, the 2021, 2021 class, as well as the 2022 class of rookies next year. So you've got a way to go in there and look, okay, if I was trading, you know, CJ, or if I was trading Garrett Wilson for uh, Devontae Smith or, you know, trading a, a, an incoming rookie next year for somebody that's been in the NFL for a year already, how would I write those guys? You've got that in there. You've got my podcast. I just uploaded a uh, top 10 quarterbacks tonight before I came on and talk with you guys. We got a couple of podcasts up there. We got some player breakdowns. Uh, DJ Uyunglele is up there, and I'm looking at getting Eric Gray up there by the end of this weekend. Um, and we've got an article that I just posted up there breaking down the Big Ten. So lots of great things up there. Got a great community on there that we're, we're always talking to Debbie in co- college football. So looking forward to uh, seeing that grow, and hopefully uh, we get some more people in there. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah. So again, guys, you heard the man. Go check it out. Um, you know, get all those rankings, get everything like that. And um, with that, I think uh, back on to the rest of the show here. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Sir, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. All right. Another thanks to Matt for hopping in here with us. Um, I like this hot take. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've recorded a couple of these already. Um, so without giving anything away, I can tell that some I can tell you that somebody might be giving a conflicting hot take to his uh, in the coming episodes. So uh, make sure you guys are tuning in for that at the very least there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I like Matt's takes a lot there. Um, I didn't always, you know, I, I, I didn't love a couple of the like the players in general, but his takes that he made. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with those. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to argue with anything that he argued there. All right, guys. So as I said, at the beginning of the show, we are previewing the Mac, the mid American conference. I've literally never heard anybody call it that ever. Uh, cause we're all about the action. Wednesday nights return yeah. of the Mac. Yes. Helps you get through the, you know, the dog days of the week, the Mac. Uh, so, uh, we talked Sunbelt last episode. We had a few players we could talk about, but we wanted to get through some of this stuff quicker tonight because there are a lot more to talk about here this week. Um, as we did last week, we're going to talk must haves at each position. And then we're going to talk, we call it maybe relevance, but pro- you know, fantasy relevant, but you know, they're not necessarily starters every week for you. Um, and then we're going to talk stashes and avoids. So that's kind of going to be the lineup here for tonight. We're going to go position by position uh, for each one of these categories. So first up is must-haves, and that's going to be quarterbacks. I made the show sheet, so I'm putting Caleb Ellaby first. 
<laughs> of course you are. And if you don't like that, well, you know, you can turn this off. Um, don't, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, please don't. We got some good information coming here. So Caleb Ellaby, quarterback for Western Michigan. Um, just, uh, you know, last year uh, was his first, really it was going to be his first full year as a starter, but they only played six games. He completed 64.5% of his passes for 1,700 yards, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions. My uh, most drafted quarterback this offseason by a long shot. Uh, last year on a per game basis, he was QB 13 with 27.8 points per game. And uh, we have this month's fresh, hot July ADP ready to be coming out here in the next couple of days. His current ADP in July is 192. He has risen significantly over this offseason. I can't help but feel partially responsible for that. <laughs> uh, Colin, how do you feel about Caleb Ellaby? I think Caleb Ellaby was a fantastic value. So you started hyping him up. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> um, I, I still think he's I still think he's a fine value. Um, because once you get past the top, you know, 10 to 15 quarterbacks, like it's tough to feel great about their pro potential. There's a lot of projection after that. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's going to produce for you for the college side for at at least this year, probably another two years, I think. Uh, and last year, you know, uh, he on the per game basis, he was the QB thirteen, uh, averaged twenty seven point eight fantasy points per game, uh, and that was through six games. Now, you know, maybe that pace regresses a little bit because he averaged three touchdowns a game. Um, you know, but I, I don't think that that's unreasonable. Um, I think if it regresses, I don't think it's going to be by a ton. And, you know, I think that he, like I said, he was a great value, but going at 192 here in the month of July, I still think he's a good value there. Um, so I, I like Caleb Ellaby a lot as well, despite you being uh, Mr. Caleb Ellaby. Yeah. So Alfred, um, as we've said a couple of times here, these are mirroring uh, the, the article series that we're doing that are, you know, also conference previews on the C2C website. Um, and, and Alfred did the half of the Mac here. Uh, Matt Bruning did the other half. Uh, but he found a really interesting stat here on Caleb Ellaby. He said, and I'm quoting from his article here, one of my favorite statistics that reveals quarterback talent is yards per attempt. And all Ellaby did in 2020 was torch the Mac for 11.2 yards every time he threw the ball. He is one of only eight quarterbacks to get over 11 yards per attempt since 2016. And every other quarterback that has hit that mark is now an NFL starter. I, you know, I've said on this show, I, I think LB has some pro potential. I think right now he's more of a day two guy with another strong year. We can talk, but I think that is just an interesting um, stat that Alfred threw out there uh, in terms of just his sheer efficiency uh, and and quite frankly dominance last year at Western Michigan. Yeah, I mean he just like like Alfred said he torched the Mac and I expect him to do it again this year. Yeah. Um, so another, uh, we have two other quarterbacks here in this category. Uh, I guess I'll say Dustin Crum here next, quarterback at Kent State. Last year on a fantasy uh, fantasy points per game, he was numero uno. He scored more points on a per game basis than even Mr. Malik Willis, who everybody seems to love. Uh, he yeah, uh, thirty five point eight points per game 
in four games. He put up, uh, he completed 73% of his passes for 1,181 yards, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions. Crushed it. And the other thing is that he has a fairly nice rushing floor as well. Um, of course, I closed out of his rushing <laughs> stats. Did that last week too. But Colin wasn't here to save me this time. Um, in, it wasn't. In, in four games again last year, 240 yards, four touchdowns. So that's a significant, you know, that's close to a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns throughout the whole season. Did, did I say that wrong? No, no, I think you're good. Oh, you made a face like I was like not looking at the right thing. Okay. Yeah. So, so nice rushing floor there. Um, tough non conference schedule this year. Uh, this year but are you still trying to roster crumb wherever you can get him 126 adp slightly off-putting compared to the other guys yeah i mean when you compare it to the other guys yeah because i don't think that dustin crumb has uh, really much of any nfl potential um i would be surprised if he's anything more than a day three guy um but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that he's still going to put up a ton of numbers. I mean, yeah, he does get Texas A&M week one. Probably not going to put up a lot in that game. Then he gets VMI. I don't even know who that is uh, in week two. He'll probably shred them. Then he gets Iowa. After that, he has Maryland non-conference as well. Those are two tough ones. Uh, but then once he gets into match and play, you know, it's it's wheels up for him. So you may have to weather the storm a little bit through a couple rough games early in the year. But he's the type of guy who's also going to be able to to probably single-handedly win you some weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he is. And, you know, I like I've talked about on this this show quite a bit. I hang out over in the CFF site Discord. I lurk more than I talk because um, <laughs> those guys know much more about that than I ever will. Um, uh, but Matt, um, or not Matt, uh, Mike Bainbridge does a lot of best ball stuff. And he's he's basically been saying, you know, he takes Dustin Crumb early without any hesitation, you know, first round, maybe second round if he gets there. But that that's not too often. And then just pairs him with a guy that has a great non-conference schedule and you're good to go. So that's all you have. Yeah, I just had to get through those first couple of weeks with Dustin Crumb and then just let it roll. And he's going to do very similar to what he did last year. Um, he did lose his top weapon. Uh, from last season, Isaiah McCoy, but they do have Deshaun Poquet there. So hopefully that offense will just keep rolling. Um, Preston Hutchinson is the third must-have quarterback here, Eastern Michigan. And there are so many freaking directional schools in the MAC. <laughs> it's like I was trying to write all this down earlier, and I was like, is he Eastern? Is he Central? Is he Western? <laughs> I can never remember uh, any of these guys, but Preston Hutchinson is Eastern Michigan. Last year on a per-game basis, quarterback seven. In six games, he completed 63.6% of his passes for 1,662 yards, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions, and like Dustin Crumb, has himself a fairly decent rushing floor. I'm trying to say that really slowly so I can pull it up here in front of me. <laughs> uh, last season, again in six games, he put up 206 yards and eight touchdowns. Touchdowns might be, um, you know, slightly, uh, you know, difficult to to hit again, but that yardage is, is pretty darn solid there. Um, and his ADP is two twenty in July, so uh, he is the cheapest of these three guys. Um, but you could argue he's going to score just as many points as they do this year. I guess just the, the NFL upside with him is probably not there. Yeah, I think the only one out of this group that has NFL upside is Ellaby, like you talked about before, but um, you know, at, at 220, when an ADP at 220, like if you get anybody in that range that has NFL upside, like I think that's 
that's gravy, you know, um, unless you're taking some, some random freshman that, you know, I, I M- Michael Jackson, the third probably goes in that range. I don't know what his ADP is, but you know, he's probably got some NFL upside, but the vast majority of players are taken in that range. Not really, not really NFL guys. So yeah, especially the quarterbacks. So yeah, I mean, I think that take the the QB seven finish, take the 30 fantasy points per game. I can tell you what happens a lot in these drafts. LB basically being the exception and Jaden Wally as well. Anybody that I or we on this show talk up starts to slowly slide up boards as I am drafting <laughs> to the point where they are no longer draftable. And then I just shift to the next guy. So actually, at the beginning of this offseason, Dustin Crum was such a value. Then he started creeping up. And I don't think that one was necessarily no. on us, um, even though I do like Dustin Crum. And then I flipped Caleb Ellaby. He has now been slowly sliding up. So the past couple drafts I've done, I've taken Preston Hutchinson. I, I'm, I'm in... I'm in four drafts right now. I've taken Hutchinson in two of them, and he hasn't come off the board in in one of the others. So he he's just kind of the value there right now. Um, but again, I I've I've watched a little bit of him, not as in depth as Ellaby or Crum. Of what I saw, I don't see an NFL future there. So I think that there really probably should be a gulf in value there for him. Uh, must have running backs. I have two of them. Uh, the first one being Kevin Marks out of Buffalo. Um, last season in a timeshare with Jarrett Patterson, you know, Jarrett Patterson, who almost broke the single game rushing record, uh, if not for his coach, not realizing what was going on. Uh, he, uh, <clears throat> Patterson averaged 36.8 points per game last year. And Marks in that timeshare still averaged 16.9. He was RB 47 overall in seven games. He uh, put up 741 yards, averaged 6.6 yards per carry, seven touchdowns. And his his work in the passing game was negligible. Four catches, three yards. Um, so he he's not going to beat you there. Um, but I, I, another Buffalo guy, I don't necessarily see make it to the NFL. But mega mega production here for the uh, for for twenty twenty one. Yeah. So Kevin Marks is a guy that I'm actually pretty pretty out on. I don't know what that Buffalo team is going to look like this year. It's an entirely new coaching staff. It's, you know, the offensive line is not going to be nearly as good um, because half of them left and went with uh, Leopold to Kansas. Um, So I think Marks is being overhyped. I think he's still going to be good. I think he's still going to be for sure fantasy relevant, Uh, but I don't know how much of an NFL future he has. And I don't think you're going to see Jarrett Patterson like numbers from him. You know, I think that Marks is probably more of an RB two for college fantasy, maybe even a flex worthy guy. Uh, so I, I'm a little bit worried about Marks. I, I mean, overall though, he's going to be the guy in that backfield. So it just comes down to your thoughts on Buffalo moving forward. I think. Yeah, I um I have like very I basically have zero Kevin Marks. Um he's actually so in June his ADP was 161 and this month it is 134. And he's been fairly consistent across the five drafts that I have entered right now. He's been 138, 141, 117, 138, 128. So interesting there. Um I just it's he just ends up being one of the guys that I don't really get that's a college producer. Like I have zero Mo Ibrahim. 
He just goes slightly earlier than I want to take yep. him, and I feel the same way about Kevin Marks. But he's a good player, and he's going he's gonna to be a startable option for you, I think. But he's just not going to be 36.8 points per game, uh, you know, like Jared Patterson. No, and I mean, far be it from me to, you know, critique people for CFF because that's not my specialty. I just see him going like super early in some of these CFF drafts. So I think even from a CFF perspective, he's a bit overrated. Yep. No, I agree. Um, Bryant Kobach, your guy uh, here at Toledo. He's another one of our must-haves. Uh, RB19 last year on a point-per-game basis, 20.5 points uh, in six games, 522 yards, four touchdowns. But he does a lot of work in the passing game. 24 receptions for 228 yards and two touchdowns. You know, he, he's he's dual threat both those ways. 21480 ADP in July. Colin, I think ever since you um you pulled on the heartstrings of America a few weeks ago and <laughs> and, and cried out for Brian Kobach to get some respect. Uh, it seems like he he has gotten that. So uh, good on you for for helping out your guy. Thanks. I I mean I, I like Brian Kobach a lot. You know, like we like we touched on on one of those shows. Um, I think it was the one where we were talking about guys who were going too low. I think that's the one that, that I talked about him on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, he's going to produce again this year. He's going to be pretty handily the lead back in that offense. And he was a good like recruit coming out. Like he was going to go to Kentucky, um, did go to Kentucky and then ended up going back to Toledo, going back home. Uh, so I think that, out of a lot of these college producers, I think he has some decent NFL potential. I I don't have a strong feeling about his NFL potential, but I do think that pass catching ability is certainly going to help right. him. I think it's it's all going to be about how he tests. Um, but it's a weak running back class. He could be a guy that that benefits a little bit, goes a little bit higher than maybe he would uh, in, in 2020, for instance, where that where that was a, a much deeper and much stronger at the top uh, class overall. Um, so who is to say, but I, I think that 214 is a lot fairer than whatever he was doing a month or two ago, uh, which was basically not even getting drafted. Yeah. Um, wide receiver must haves. I have two and I think you could possibly argue with me depending on projections for a couple other guys, but we, we have two here, Justin Hall at ball state and Khalil Pimpleton at central Michigan. Uh, Pimpleton might not even belong here. I don't know. I'm pretty bullish on him this year. But Justin Hall, wide receiver 14 last year on a per-game basis, 20.6 fantasy points per game, tied to an offense that brings everything for the passing attack back and actually loses their starting running back. So that could be you know some added points there for their, their receivers. Um, 49 catches last year for 665 yards and four touchdowns. And then they give him the ball on the ground too. He had 30 carries. 231 yards and a touchdown. They just try to get the ball in his hands. Uh, it's hard not to imagine him as a top 20 or 25 guy uh, for the year. And that's being, you know, very conservative. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty far and away uh, the focal point of, of ball state's offense. Uh, they, like you said, they, they gave him the ball, you know, they throw the ball to him. They give him the ball on the ground. So he, he had 30 carries last year through seven games, but he also had 24 carries the year before that and 20 carries the year before that. So, you know, they just, like you said, they try to get him the ball however they can. I think that 
they're going to continue to do that this year. I think Ball State is going to be a team that is going to surprise some people. I think they're going to end up inside the top 25 at the end of the year. Um, they won the Mac last year, air quotes, won the Mac. Um, you know, they, I think they they went six and one, I believe. So they're they're a strong team. I think they could do that again this year. And I think a lot of that would be on Justin Hall. I think he would be a huge catalyst for them having a good year, especially offensively. Um, I don't see any reason why you can't repeat that wide receiver 14 performance. Yeah, him, him, Johannes Tyler and Drew Plitt are quite the trio there. They, they really, really are. And I think they will be again um, in in 2021. Uh, Hall, he's a little bit smaller. So I'm not sure, again, NFL potential might right. not necessarily be there. But, you know, enjoy it while you can. You know, yeah, and he's, he's a fifth year guy, too. Yeah. So, yeah, not not a lot working for him in that regard. Uh, Pimpleton being the other guy here, Cleo Pimpleton, who's at Central Michigan. Um, last year on a per game basis, he was wide receiver 42, uh, 15.7 points per game. He uh, has not been drafted in a single draft this month. He, is, he has you know, a big old N.A. in his ADP column for the month. Um, last year in six games, 26 catches, 277 yards, two touchdowns, and then had 16 carries for 134 and another three. Um, but the year, I mean, the year before that, he had a really big year, 82 catches, 894 yards, six touchdowns. Um, you know, he is the focal point of their offense as far as, you know, just getting the ball in somebody's hands. Um, and I think there's there's little reason like Hall to suggest that that won't happen again uh, in 2021. I have a lot of Khalil Pimpleton. He's very tiny, no NFL future, but um, he's going to score for you. And, you know, N.A., not not getting drafted. So that, you know, <laughs> that's what, 400 mm-hmm. players? Is that what's yeah. Um, so I don't have any of the super deep drafts uploaded yet. I have three mm-hmm. of those still to add. So okay. he'll, he, I'm sure he will make an appearance here on some uh, on some level. I'm just not sure where that will be yet. OK, but it's it's not the top. 320 or whatever so you know right yeah right and and like you said too i think you know last year uh, was kind of it was a decent year but it was not a great year for him finished the you said wide receiver 42 15.7 fantasy points per game i think he does better than that this year i mean he did better than that in 2019 so i think he's gonna take a step forward this year i see him probably beating that uh, wide receiver 42 mark by a pretty comfortable margin this year. I really do too. I think he is startable week in week out for you um, within that high, that high scoring Mac uh, without fail. So that no tight ends, no, no must have tight ends in the Mac. Unfortunately, um, really no tight ends that I'm interested at all in the conference. Colin, you have a stash later that we'll, <laughs> that we'll touch on, but um Strong name, strong yes, name, very, very, very strong, possibly the strongest. Um, <laughs> well, Carson Strong is pretty strong, but that's that's fair. But um, okay, <laughs> so maybe relevant. No, you have quite a few names in this category, so we're not going to quite deep dive them like we have the past few quarterback. I I have one guy listed, and you could probably make an argument for a couple other ones, but but I just put the one down Drew Plitt at Ball State, as we kind of mentioned. You know, they bring him back, they bring Tyler back, they bring Hall back. Last year, Plitt was quarterback 34 on a per game basis, 22.9 points per game, eight games, uh, 66% completion uh, percentage, 2,164 yards, 17 touchdowns to six interceptions. Um, He's no ADP this month. 
he's very he's so cheap in drafts he's he's very much a forgotten guy um you can if you really zero qb it and use zero qb it the whole <laughs> way you can grab plit really late and still feel fairly comfortable about your quarterback position yeah i mean i think that the qb 34 um 22.9 fantasy points per game i think that is probably about his floor um you know, I think that he, that's a strong offense. Like I said, I, I think Ball State is going to be a very, very good team this year. I think they're going to be a very dangerous team this year. They're going to surprise some people, and I think a lot of that's going to be on the back of their passing attack, which, like I mentioned, with uh, Hall. Um, so, yeah, I think Drew Plitt is going to have a big fantasy year this year. Um, he may not be anything in the NFL, probably won't be anything in the NFL. He may not be a top. 24 fantasy qb but you know like you said if you zero qb it yeah i think that he's he could absolutely have a big year yeah could, de- could definitely do worse on the uh the zero qb train there um so i i did like i said i didn't put any other quarterbacks is there are there any other ones that you want to toss their names out there colin or i mean they have you know like the brett gabberts of the world who like i just refuse to touch because of his name <laughs> and he also just isn't very good um but, I mean, there there's some guys floating around that if you need a bye week filler at some point, I just wouldn't recommend rostering them in a pure C2C league. No, in a, in your your standard C2C league, so 12 teams, 45-ish rounds, 40, 45, somewhere in that range. Uh nah, there's there's not any other QB that I would that I would take. Yeah, exactly. Um, so running back, we have quite a few guys here. Uh, first name on the list is Ladarius Jefferson, who's at Western Michigan. Last year on a per-game basis, uh, 50, uh, RB58, uh, 16 uh, fantasy points per game, no ADP this month. Um, and then in six games last year, he put up 624 yards on 5.6 yards per carry, five touchdowns, and then four catches, 17 yards. So not, not doing a ton in the passing game. Uh, but I think he has a chance to be drafted at some point. He's 6'1", 223. Um, he will be a senior, but that doesn't necessarily seem to knock running backs the same way that, that it does for wide receivers. Colin, do you? I have. He's he's a guy that I take like in around 40 often, and I think he's just kind of a bi-week filler kind of guy. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, when you hit that late, like, you know, it's all dart throws anyway when you're that late, so may as well snag a guy that you think that you know is going to be a fantasy relevant guy i think he's going to be a flex worthy option um you know so yeah i I don't have any problem taking ladarius jefferson that late yeah and then the other two guys that i have here that i think are certainly rosterable in a c2c league uh the duo that is at central michigan kobe lewis and lou nichols uh kobe lewis was rb39 last year 18.0 points per game nichols was rb60 with 15.6 it really it sucks that they found nichols because i was so high on lewis i thought lewis could sneak into like fourth round nfl draft guy and be a big producer um after his sophomore year where he ran for uh about 1100 yards on six yards per carry and 12 touchdowns and he caught 23 passes like he he looked like a very well-rounded back he's got solid size he's over 200 pounds um, and then Lou Nichols came came uh, knocking on that door. <laughs> um, so now I'm not sure if I feel great about starting either of them, but I feel like I, I, I'm fine with taking one toward the very end of drafts to see if that guy takes takes the reins or the other guy gets hurt or something and you luck into a top you know, 15 fantasy option if that would be the case. Yeah, I think that if I'm going to go that route, I'm going to take Kobe Lewis just because he's 
cheaper, a good bit cheaper than than Lou Nichols. Um, you know, Lou Nichols is probably going to be there longer, so I don't hate him at that two ten ADP in July. Uh, he was a redshirt freshman last year, so he'll be a redshirt sophomore this year. So he's got another two years there where Lou Nichols, or I mean, Kobe Lewis probably only has one. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate Nichols at his value, but like I said, if I'm going to take one of them, I'm going to take Lewis just because he's going dramatically cheaper and still had a really nice year last year as well. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I was really high on him. I like them both. To be fair, so I, Nichols has a 210 ADP in July and Lewis has nothing, but Nichols has only been taken in one draft and he's uh, taken a 210. So it's not like he, he's been drafted consistently and that's like where he's shaken out. That's just in one draft. Uh, he's got an ADP of 210. Um, so d I wouldn't read too much into that. Um, I know you might want me to put Demontre Tuggle down here. <laughs> and, <laughs> so a fun story here we can do in a minute or less. Um, I think a lot of people are talking about Tuggle who had a nice year last year at Ohio, um, took over the lead back role there uh, and put up some nice stats. So going into this year, you know, he's he was a hot CFF name. We had Mike Bainbridge on a few months tuggle boat you know or the rub and tuggle or whatever you want to call it <laughs> rub and uh, he doesn't want any of tuggle <laughs> uh, yeah. um, because they have um o'shane allison there and he thinks that's going to be more of a timeshare than people necessarily think and as he was telling this to me i was in an auction draft with colin uh i was sitting on on toggle I, I i had toggle as the high bid and I said, hey, Colin, if you bid one more dollar, you can have Tuggle. I, I'm at my max bid. And Colin said, okay, and did it. And then <laughs> listened to the episode the next day and was like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, I don't even, I don't even hate taking Demontre Tuggle. I think for normal drafts, I do think he probably goes a little bit too early. For that auction draft, I was fine with him what I paid for him. It was like... 50 less than that it was like yeah, 30 it was, bucks out of 30 2, something yeah so like i'm fine with that because he was the rb4 last year um you know it was only through it was only through three games so it's very very small sample size but he had 403 rush yards six touchdowns um two catches for six yards but again through three games that's it's hard to judge there um but 27.6 fantasy points per game uh, you know it's hard to argue getting uh, the R the RB three from last year. I think that that was like I said, small sample size. It was all max schedule, so you know those numbers probably come down a little bit. But I still think he's going to have a great year. Uh, they they do have a bit of a tougher non conference schedule that because they get UL and they get Northwestern, um, but they also get Duquesne. They get Syracuse as non-conference schedule so those two kind of balance it out a little bit they play Duquesne. Uh, yeah do, do um do non-fbs or whatever they call it now um schools count for fantasy purposes i'm sure like do you still get those points that week i feel like I'm, there's something with that where like if you play an fcs or an fbs team it doesn't count or something or an fcs team it doesn't count or something it might depend on league settings but you know if you, you have Duquesne is not fbs they're, no, they're here. No, no. They're here in Pittsburgh. I live like yeah. I could. I could. I could jog to their campus fairly easy. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But then after that, they also get an all max schedule too, and those defenses are not great. And Ohio, they're going to run the ball. 
So, yeah, I'm fine with Demontre Tuggle. I think he belongs in this category. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I didn't put him there, but I figured we should we would be remiss if we didn't mention him there. Um, Honestly, completely did not. I, I didn't even see that, to be honest with you. I didn't see the the omission of Tuggle. Otherwise, I would have called it out. Man, man, you're you're just not not very observant here tonight. I'm not very observant ever, but I'm I'm running on a lack of sleep the past couple nights. So, so there are a couple <laughs> other guys that I think again are worth mentioning. Tion Dollard, who's at Akron, um, he's he's not going to be like a super duper high end producer, but I think he's certainly a bi week filling guy. Depending on league settings, may or not may or may not be worth he rostering. Was- he was indicted on a felony weapons charge. I, yes, but I, I've heard that that uh, he's probably still going to play this year. Is whatever he? that's worth. That's okay. What the rumor, you know, the word on the street. <laughs> okay. Um, I was like, there's a, I was like, I know there was a very specific reason I was avoiding Tion Dollard and I was pretty sure it was a legal issue. So I needed to look that up. But yeah, he, he was indicted on a felony weapons charge back in March 22nd and was suspended from athletics at that time. Um, I don't know if he's back yet. I, I don't see anything. Yeah, that's just, that's just what I've heard. Um, okay. But, but you know, how all that stuff goes. The other one's Terry on Stewart, who was the freshman of Bowling Green last year. Um, they they tend to kind of rotate their backs a little bit. Um, and they did have a kid transfer out this year. I forget what his name is. He went to Northwestern, I'm pretty sure. Um, but so, so they had three guys there last year. They have two there now. Um, so he might be a guy to keep your eye on. But again, I'm not sure he's rosterable. You know, depending Bowling, on league settings. Bowling Green is an absolute dumpster fire of a team. Sorry, anybody who, you know, went to or is a fan of Bowling Green. But that team is consistently in the bottom five in every offensive category last year. And it's, you know, that hasn't been the only year that that's happened. Um, They were, okay, so they weren't bottom five. They were bottom... They were 15, bottom 15 uh, in in the offensive categories last year. So not an offense that I want any pieces of. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's a totally fair approach. You know, we, we talk about all the time. It's the system. It's the squad. Um, so, but, but a name to keep on the radar regardless. Wide receivers um, for some, some um, maybe relevance here. We have Sky Moore uh, and Jalen Hall, who are both at Western Michigan. I'll rope them both in here. Um, last year on a per game basis, Moore was wide receiver 62 hall was wide receiver 40. Um, but Dwayne Eskridge, who was there, remember was wide receiver six and he is now gone. I think people expected it to be sky Moore. Uh, we were not expecting uh wide receiver turned cornerback turned wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge to do what he did. Um, so a- again, they're attached to Ellaby. It's a high powered offense. Um, I think both of them could produce this year. And I think, they're probably both worth monitoring, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably take Sky Moore. What says you? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think it's going to be Sky Moore. I think I thought it was going to be Sky Moore last year. Um, but like you said, nobody saw wide receiver turn cornerback turn wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge putting up uh, those types of numbers. Um, you know, he was the wide receiver six, like you said, but he had. Um, 33 catches for 768 yards and eight touchdowns through six games ends up getting drafted in the second round. Like nobody really saw that coming. Um, so I'm back on the sky more train. Uh, I do think that this is going to be, he's probably not going to be wide receiver six, but 
you know, top 20 wide receiver. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I do like Jalen Hall as well. Jalen Hall is a guy that is basically free. I honestly, I, I can't think of a draft that I was in where he was taken. He's gone in a couple of mine, um, okay. but not regularly and not significantly. Um, so, yeah, uh, that you may pay attention to that there. Johannes uh, Tyler, who we kind of talked about briefly, so I'm not going to go too deep into him. He was wide receiver 33 last year, 16.7 fantasy points per game, uh, 42 catches, 607 yards, eight touchdowns. He'll be back. Um, he'll, he'll be strong there. Uh, so I think he's worth rostering just very, very late. Um, Deshaun Poke, I think is how you say his name. I don't think it's Poke. I think it's Poke. Um, but I could be wrong. I'm know. trying to fancy that up, boy. I know your name's Dirt. I said. <laughs> 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 oh, no. <laughs> but you didn't think so you were going to get a Joe Dirt no, reference I today. Did not. I really did not. Um, I don't think anybody's making Joe Dirt references anymore. <laughs> Uh, I'm about two decades too late. (laughs) That's all right. That's all right. Uh, So however you say his last name, I'm not going through this again. He was wide receiver 47 last year, 15.3 fantasy points per game. Uh, But they did lose Isaiah McCoy, who was wide receiver 11, 22 points per game. Uh, No ADP this month for Mr. Poke. Uh, 21 catches, 326 yards, three touchdowns last year. Um, probably worth rostering, but again, you don't have to do it till late. And I think he's, you know, if you think Dustin Crum is uh, QB one, QB two, QB three is somewhere in that range of outcomes, then you're probably going to want his top target too. You know, it, it common sense dictates that, that he's probably worth uh, a roster spot. Yeah. I, I love taking Deshaun poke, 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 um, because Isaiah McCoy last year, wide receiver 11, um, you know, Dustin Crum is a guy that we believe in. We think he's going to put up numbers. So, yeah, of course, like you said, you want the wide receiver one in that offense. Uh, we think it's going to be Ja'Shawn Poquet, and he's going so late. He's very, very cheap. Uh, yeah. So I, I have a lot of sh- uh, uh, I have him on a lot of rosters. Yeah. Um, the next one's a to- the next two are kind of shots in the dark. I'm not exactly sure if I if I love either of them, and they both. Could be the kind of guy where you stash them late and they're gone by week three. Jack Sorensen, who's at Miami of Ohio, uh, was on absolutely blistering pace last year as a senior. He's now a super senior or whatever the heck we're calling him now. Three games last year, 18 catches, 354 yards, and four touchdowns. Like, holy crap. On, on a per-game basis, he was wide receiver nine. I'm not sure what we can take away from those numbers, if anything. But I certainly think you could do a lot worse if you're looking for just one more possible wide receiver at the, at the end of your draft to just throw a dart and say, why not? Yeah, I think three games, it's hard to trust that sample size. Um, you know, he was only averaging six receptions per game, but he was also uh, averaging over 100 yards per game. Um, like you said, 19.7 yards per catch there. So, you know, he was lighting it up. He is tied to your favorite QB, Brett Gabbert. Uh, so, you know, we do like that. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, I, he's, I, I think he's going to be the focal point of that offense there. And, you know, like you said, you could do a lot worse than, than a dart throw on Jack Sorensen. Yeah, and then the other one's Hassan Beydoun, who's at Eastern Michigan. Wide receiver 59 last year on a per-game basis, 14.2 points per game. Um 
could do something, you know, worth a stash. I'm not sure if there's NFL potential there, but he is tied to uh, Mr. Hutchinson. So, um, you know, if that offense is going, Baydoun's probably going to be involved somehow. Yeah, Baydoun's a guy that I have a couple. Uh, I'll have a couple places as well because he's basically free. You know, there's he goes sub round forty, somewhere between round 40, 45, if he gets taken at all. So yeah, you know, I think that he's he's definitely worth the stash. Yeah. Um. So we're into stashes. Do you have any stashes that you really like? that are in the conference here, Colin? Uh, well, we did skip over my tight end. Oh, um, sorry, 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 sorry. No, you're, you're, you're okay. I, I, know, I know you're a tight end hater. Um, no, the, the tight end that I think is worth mentioning is, uh, is, is my guy, Mr. Jack Coldiron from Miami of Ohio. Um, you know, I think we touched on with Sorensen. You know, we, we're not exactly sure what that offense is going to be because it was a small sample size last year. But Jack Coldiron, as a freshman, you know, put up uh, if the tight end 31 type of numbers, which is, you know, it's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. But he was a freshman last year. So plus all name, all name team, you know, cold uh, Jack Coldiron, very strong name. And I, I like guys with strong names. That dude has to have either a a gym sponsorship or a beer spot sponsorship. Both. <laughs> I mean, he could do iron city beer. You know, he's, he's over oh, in Ohio. It's only one cool. state over. Yeah. Have yourself a cold, cold iron city. You can, you can Jack of... cold iron. Have yourself a cold iron city. There yeah. you go. We just, we, we wrote that for him. Jack cold iron. If you're listening, we would love to head up your marketing team. I only charge 5% cut and beer. I want the beer too. Yeah. That's um, more the route that I was going. I don't even really like IC light. I mean, it's fine, but. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, no, <laughs> they have an ice. They have icy mango, and it's like, who would ever want to drink that? But I hear people <laughs> order it when I'm out, so um, it takes all kinds, I suppose. Um, my big stash uh, for C2C purposes is Kyle Kelly, who I've talked a little, a little bit about before. Here, he's going to Ball State. Um, it was not on camp or was not on campus for spring, um, but he's you know he's a dual threat guy, a three star in last year's class. Uh, number 59 quarterback overall. Um, and he's, he's four, seven, eight verified 40 at the opening last year. Um, he, he's just a good athlete, the level of athlete that, that, that ball state does not always get. Um, and drew Plitt only has one more year. So that's, he's the kind of guy where, you know, maybe you don't draft him in anything, but like, I think I have a 24 team league where I have him because what the hell else am I going to do with that roster spot? But in a normal 12 team, 45 roster, I don't think you have to have him. Um, but he's just a guy that I kind of have tucked away in my notebook somewhere. And at the end of the year, maybe I, I, I take a stash real quick. Yeah, I don't, I didn't really know anything about Kyle Kelly before you, you had mentioned him. Um, so, he, you know, he's not really a guy that had been on my radar. So I'm sure he's not a guy that's on most, a lot of people's radars. And even if somebody does take him at the beginning of their draft or at the end of their draft this year, uh, odds are pretty good that they'll drop him at some point. You know, he could, he's a, not a guy that you necessarily want to roster all year long. If there's somebody that pops up on waivers that you want, he's going to be a, a cut candidate. So scoop him up at the end of the year in anticipation for, for next year. Um, like you had mentioned before on Twitter, that's one of the, the areas where, um, you know, you can get a big, pretty big advantage. 
you're giving yourself a little bit too much credit there for saying that if I've never heard of them, then I'm sure nobody else has ever heard of them. Uh, that's fair. That was a bit. <laughs> that was a bit arrogant um, coming from Mister. I am the ADP over here. <laughs> it's like I am the Senate. <laughs> I am the ADP. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, no. That that. That's a fair point. I mean, but I feel like I'm just giving your you average your average C two C player is probably not paying attention to Kyle Kelly, QB fifty nine going to Ball State. Yeah. So, any guys that you're avoiding at ADP here? Um. Yeah. So Kyle or uh, Kevin Marks, like we touched on before, is a guy that I'm avoiding at ADP. Uh, I, I'm not going to end up with him anywhere. Um. I. <sighs> I like Caleb Ellaby. Like you said, you're, you're bringing his ADP is rising up into the range where I'm not as comfortable taking him anymore. Um, so it depends on what league I'm in and how early he's going. I'm not avoiding him, but he's starting to go a little bit early for me. But outside of that, no, I don't think any of these guys have ADPs where it's like cost prohibitive and not that uh, Ellaby's is cost prohibitive, but, it's, it's getting up there. Yeah, it is. Um, I I can never have enough of him. I just take him <laughs> one round earlier every time I draft. Basically. Well, that's that's why his ADP is going up. So I did with Jaden Wally too. Um, so because people people catch on to me, I got to be sneaky. Um, all right, so I think that's it then for for tonight's show. Uh, thank you guys for joining us here for our second uh, summer school session. Uh, we will be back next week. I will be out on vacation, um, so Colin is going to be running point. Uh, and I'm sure he's going to do a great job. So I, I have no Thank doubt you for your vote of confidence. Yes. Yes. You're very welcome. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, beyond that, just uh, make sure you're still checking out some of the other podcasts on the campus camp website, Alfred's why wait till Sunday, uh, the fantasy football Roundtable, and the Debbie debates, uh, with, with myself, uh, Matt Bruning and, um, uh, Felix Sharp. Um, and uh, J- the, we are cranking out articles over at the site, guys. So, so make sure you're checking those out. You know, the, these conference previews basically in written form, um, some differing names. Um, uh, but beyond that, until next uh, week, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good weekend, guys.